Lord has spoken. So many different people from different places in their relationship with you here. And so I want to pray and I want to ask, Lord, that you meet us at that place where we're at spiritually. And Father, you begin to draw us towards you to be more like you. Um, Lord, I, I pray and ask for those who, who need comfort this morning, that they would find your comfort, Lord. That they would find you there in their midst, that your word would comfort them like no other. God, I pray for those who need to be convicted that your spirit would convict in a powerful way, that they would come to know who you are. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you this morning, Father, that you would begin to work on their heart right now as your message is released and uncovered, that they would begin to see you and fall in love with you and know that you are God, our Lord, and our Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I've had the extreme privilege, uh, honestly, guys, of being able to uh, hang out with you for the last couple weeks, you know, last week and this week, and it's such an honor to me. Um, last week, we talked about uh, being set free, and we talked about um, being set free from slavery to become a son, and uh, for those of you who weren't here, we had everyone sign these walls, and, and if you look, uh, you could see signatures all over these walls, and there's some hanging up here, and uh, it's amazing uh, watching, and even after the service, you can come up and look at the stories that people wrote. Uh, and the whole idea was this, is that, you know, God has set us free from our sin in a powerful way. And we wanted to make that public. And we wanted to show the world that we've been set free, and so let's make it public by writing that on the wall and showing everyone, I have been set free. Uh, and so we did that last week, and it was amazing. Now, as I was praying through what to teach on, the message was kind of twofold. It was number one, being set free, because I think a lot of people hold on to their sin. Uh, a lot of people hold on to things. Uh, and then the second message was to be set free from your past and to be set free from the things that hold us back. And so what I wanted to bring up was this idea of how can we be totally set free? And when we are, what are we supposed to do? Right? I mean, because when you're set free, what are you supposed to do with that? Now that I'm set free, where do I go? What do I do? And if I've been set free, I've been set free for what? We talk about that at the church all the time. What have we been set free from? So I've noticed in me, over the years, if I don't continually work on my relationship with God, I can get really stagnant. I don't know if you're like that. I find myself getting stagnant. I find myself getting bored. I find myself, everything just seems so familiar. And when that happens, I realize something. I realize that I'm pulling myself out of the game and i kind of not living as God has called me to live. Okay, and so that's the biggest challenge. I forget that I'm in a war. I forget that God has pulled me out to make me his son, but there's a purpose and a reason for it. He's called me to be a warrior. He's called me to come fight alongside the greatest king that ever was, the greatest king that will ever be, and the greatest king that is. 
And you and I have been called as those soldiers to walk alongside him. Amen. However, I find myself, maybe I have a little soul, but I'm no soldier.
Well, good morning. <laughs> man, isn't Johnny awesome? Oh, man, I, this voice is amazing. So thank you, guys. And I don't know if you heard uh, Tim Roberts in the background screaming like a girl, but uh, we were at rehearsal on Thursday, and we were cracking up so hard because he gets so high, they get so high. So anyway, uh, those guys did an amazing job. Um, and you're probably thinking, why are we listening to the killers on Sunday morning? Because that's why we do things here at Crossroads. Um, um, and the reason I picked that song, because I, as I was going through my message, I thought, you know what? I think so many times... So many times I find myself, you know, being a part of something but not really jumping in. And that song to me really says this whole idea, it's probably not the original meaning of the song, it probably means something totally different, but for me, this is why I'm sharing it, is that I really think that, that, that some of us come and we like to sit in the stands and we like to kind of see what goes on. And man, we're like, hey, I like this, it's pretty good. But when it comes to doing the work and being on the team and being a part of the army, we're like, ah, I don't want to go there. I got soul, but man, I'm no soldier. Like, I, I'll give you a little bit, but I'm not going to give it all. I'm not going to commit myself. And this morning, I hope to challenge you. This morning, I hope to have you step out of your comfort zone and to say, you know what? I don't want to live a life like this. I want to live a life that God has called me to live. I want to care. I want to go into battle. I don't want to sit in the sidelines. I don't want to just keep spectating. I don't want to be that person. Because God has called you to something amazing and incredible. And that's the amazing thing about following him is every single person he has a purpose for. He's called us to be set apart for a reason. I believe that church is a team sport and everybody should be involved in that. You know, I, 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 as I was going over this, I was thinking, why is it that people don't jump into the game? You know, why is it as a, as a follower, like, why would I just sit back? And it took me back to my years in, in elementary school. And I remember being like fourth grade, fifth grade, and I remember P.E. was the worst thing ever. Uh, you had to go to P.E., and, and I was just never good at sports. I never played sports, and uh, there's probably a reason why, because of what happened in fourth grade. Um, you know, what happens is your friends, you know, at P.E., they get picked, and they're all, hey, we're going to play basketball, and they're all, you guys are the team captains, and you guys pick everyone. And so they're out there picking everyone, and here I'm, you know, that's my buddy up there. I'm like, hey, man, pick me. And he's picking all the girls, and he's picking everybody else, and then at the, I'm the last guy, and oh, we'll take Bill. You know, and, and I always felt like, well, I have nothing to contribute. If people don't believe in me, if people don't believe I have anything to give, then why would I want to even contribute? And so I do believe that a lot of people think, well, they come here, well, you know what, this place is so big, there's so much that goes on, they don't really need my help. That's a bunch of baloney. We, baloney, that's a weird word. Um, <laughs> we need you. Not only that, God has a purpose and a reason for you. And Satan's ploy is for you to sit back and look at what happens and live vicariously through all the incredible stories that go on here and never think that pertains to you when it does. When he's called you to step out, when he's called you to, to look past that. And so as I was going through, I'm thinking, okay, what is it that holds us back? I think, I think it's our past. I think it's we lose our focus on what the real meaning of life is and our purpose on earth. And we could be a follower and we could, we could kind of know about God. But when we sit back and don't experience him, we miss all the incredible things that he has for us. 
Why do you think as a church we're going through the Asashima, the 24-7? We're encouraging everyone, hey, you know what? We need to have intentional intimacy with God. You know, you you need to be that kind of person that always is having that intimacy. And and, and you've got to have that relationship with him. That's what we're seeking for you to have. And so this Jubilee series is a time of renewal. It's a time to say, you know what, no longer. At the end of those 50 years on the year of Jubilee, they would forget the past, move forward, and celebrate what God is going to do. And that's what we want to do. We want to forget the past, move forward, and celebrate it, what God's going to do, how he's going to move in you, how he's going to move in me. So let's set it all aside. Let's say, you know what, from this point on, I'm going to follow him. Let's make today, right here, right now, just decide, even just with yourself, between you and God right now, to say, you know what? I kind of understand what Bill's saying. I, I, I need to just end this and, and not worry so much about things around me and focus on God because that's what he wants you to do. Why? Because he has a purpose for you. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul's speaking And um, I want you to listen to what Paul says. In verse 17, he goes on and he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Did you guys hear that? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Um, I love this verse because it's so simple. It's like, okay, so how many of us are in Christ? Raise your hand if you're in Christ. Okay, and the rest of you, you're all, I'm I'm watching, decision time, praying for you, right? Okay, if you're in Christ, the new creation comes. So if we're in Christ, the new has come. The new creation has come. Do you catch that? Um, All of us who follow Jesus, something happened to us. It was like, it was a transition, where you lived one way, right? Last week we explained this as a slave. You were a slave to your sin and then you became a son. And so many people came forward to say, I no longer want to be a slave, I want to be a son. Right, that's the idea. That you become a part of the family of God when you're in Christ. So when you're in him, newness abounds. And that's a continual newness, okay? So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, uh, the new creation has come. And then it says, the old has gone, It's done. No more. The old is gone. The new is here. Right here, right now, right in this moment, right in this second that you and I sit here or I stand here, you sit here. That, the new is here. Every moment, every day that we follow after him. It's this newness, freshness, constantly coming. Uh, On Wednesday nights, we do Fuse over uh, 7 o'clock, right over here. (laughs) Yeah, Fuse. Mary, uh, we got some awesome uh, ministry going, but one of our table leaders, uh, Tony and Abby Gonzalez, they're amazing. Uh, Tony, if you ever met him, uh, yeah, we have some of the Tony's table here, community. Tony talks like this. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? For those of you who know him, you're like, no, and, and the first time I met him, I'm like, man, I feel like he was going to like shoot me or something. He just, he just this big guy, and he's like, hey, Bill, how are you, man? I just praise Jesus. He's doing good stuff, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you know, um, and so he's amazing, he's an awesome, and uh, we were talking on Wednesday night after, after Fuse, and, and he's like, Bill, let me tell you something, Bill, you know, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, man, I used to be, I, I, I used to be a soldier of evil, and he goes, I would go around, I was in gangs, I have five felonies, uh-oh, and, uh, 
And he goes, I, I did so many bad things. And he goes, I just, I can't believe where my life is now. And he goes, now I'm a soldier of Jesus. I'm a soldier of good. And he proceeded to tell me what his lifestyle was like. And he proceeded to tell me all of the things that he got involved in and all of the horrible things that he did. And he looks at me in the midst of that conversation. He says, hey, Bill, you know, I don't deserve my wife. I have kids, and my kid, I can't believe my kids love Jesus, and they are where they're at. I don't deserve this. Look at this verse. The old is gone, the new is here. He was done with that life. Does he uh, sometimes struggle with uh, when somebody looks at him wrong, he wants to beat him up? Oh, absolutely, so don't look at him wrong. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. The old is gone, the new has come. He's been saved, sanctified, set apart for a purpose. God had a reason to change him from a slave to a son. And look at his family now, totally different. All things become new. Scoot over to Philippians. Yes, I said scoot. That, <laughs> I'm using some really awkward terms this morning. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, uh-oh, I just lost it. In Philippians chapter 3, um, Paul is talking and he say, basically this whole chapter, this whole section is about, I want to be more like Jesus. Okay, my whole goal is to be like him, to experience his resurrection, to experience his power. Okay, so that's in Philippians chapter 3. So it heads off, I'm going to pick up in verse 12. So he says this, he's kind of going, hey guys, I want you to know, I just strive so much to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to make the choices that he makes. I want to live like he lives. And then he says this in verse 12. He says, um, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Do you catch this? Paul wrote half the New Testament, just so you know, pretty spiritual guy. Um, he, um, he's looking and he says, I want to be like Jesus, but he says, but I haven't obtained it yet. Has anybody in here obtained total, like you are Jesus? You're, you're walking on, you got here this morning, traffic parted, you know, no. Well, maybe one of you, I don't know, um, you know. But, but here's the thing, Paul says, not that I've already obtained it. Not that I've already arrived yet. Have you arrived spiritually? Are you like, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I can't learn any more about Jesus. I've learned it all. I am so spiritual. Um, listen to what it says later. So he says, not that I've already tamed this. And then he says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. He says, I haven't obtained it yet, but I, but I press on. To take hold is, is an interesting word. It means to make one's own possession. So it's this idea that I press on, I'm moving forward, even though I haven't obtained it yet, right? Because our whole life is going to be shaped around us becoming more and more like him, right? We lose ourselves and we become more like Jesus. That we, and we constantly obtain that. So we press forward, for, we press forward and, and, and we grasp hold and we try and grasp constantly to make it our own possession to be like Jesus. Okay, so that's what Paul's saying. Listen as he goes on. So he says, uh, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Because Jesus took us as his possession. Whoa, almost fell. Uh, Jesus <laughs> took us as his possession and we return take him as ours. Do you, do you hear that? So there's a symbiotic relationship going on. So then he goes on and he says this in verse 13. So then he goes, brothers and sisters, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. What does it say here? What does it say? Somebody yell it out. Forgetting. Listen to what he says. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now it's not like it's easy. He's saying I'm straining. But he says I'm forgetting. I'm focused. There's the goal. And that's the goal I'm, I'm focusing for. So everything in my life is defined around that goal. What is that goal? What is it that I'm being called to? What is it I'm supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be living? Okay, and so he's saying I'm forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. Okay, now, now when we talk about forgetting, it's kind of interesting because in the context that Paul's talking about, now we can talk about like our past sins, Right? We could talk about those things that hold us back, those, those past sins, those past failures. Of course, we, we aren't to let those hold us back. You know, we're moving forward following after Christ, and then all of a sudden, you know, those things of the past pop back up, and Satan starts saying, yeah, remember when you used to be that person? Remember when you used to do that? You're still like that. You're such an idiot. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. God won't forgive you. And you're like, no, I need to press forward. But some of us actually sit and listen to that. And then we sit and we become paralyzed. And we come to church and we sit in the seats and we go, I can't do anything because of my past. And God's like, I have this incredible plan for you. And you're like, yeah, I know, but, you know, I've done all this stuff. And God's like, yeah, but I forgave it. Yeah, I know, but it's still, you see what I'm saying? It's, it, you haven't disconnected from it yet. And so he's saying, I'm forgetting what is my past. But, but Paul is interesting. He's not talking about so much his sins. I mean, he is, but he's also talking about his deeds and achievements. This I found interesting. Paul, just before, was bragging about how spiritual he was. But he realized that his spirituality was actually a hindrance to his growing forward. Because he was focused on the deed rather than the relationship. So, in essence, it's like saying, you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to following after God and to following after Jesus. But, man, remember the past when it was so good? Remember when I was in high school and, man, I used to worship God like this? I, man, I'll never be like that again. Or remember, remember that camp, or remember that you know, time I gave my heart to Christ? And we look back, and we think, it's never going to get that good again. And we miss the relationship. That God has something out here, and we're stuck here, and he wants to release us from that. Do you think things won't get better? They will. It's called maturity, and you begin to grow, and your focus changes, and you're stuck and you sit and you think, well, it'll, you sit and you think, well, it'll never be different. So I'll just kind of sit back and watch the world. And, and man, I love church because I get a spiritual high, but I don't want to do anything. God says you're missing out. Forget what is behind. Strain towards what is ahead. And then he says this in verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That word, that word goal is, is the actual word. It's a goal marker. So it's not just I'm, I'm headed somewhere, but it's actually a marker. I can see it. When they would race back then, they had a goal marker, and you would see it. And you would go, and you would stick your eyes on that goal marker, and you would not look to the left or to the right. You stayed focused. And so as you run, and running as fast as you can to be more like Jesus, you don't let the peripheral things get to you. You don't let the things behind you get to you. Why? Because we get distracted, right? I don't know about you. I get distracted. I'm totally ADD. You know, and so I'm looking forward, and I'm moving, and I'm going, God, I need to focus. And all of a sudden, something comes up in my life, and I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. Ooh, birdie. You know, 
And, God, and, and, and it's like, wait, you're here to seek and save the lost. Yeah, God, but what about this? And what about this? And, and okay, what's my purpose? What's my goal? What have you called me to? Keep my eye on the goal. Keep my eye on the marker. Keep moving ahead. Fix my eyes upon it. You know, Luke chapter 9. Uh, it, just real quickly, it says, you know, when Jesus is talking, he's saying, you know, if you have your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. What was he saying? You have to keep your eyes on him. You have to keep your eyes forward. Keep your eyes on what, what God has called you and I to. And there's such power in that when he's called you and I to that. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 43 and look at this. So in the book of Isaiah, uh, in this section, he is, um, God's talking about the past. And he's, he's reminding Israel what they were brought from. And he's reminding them when he took them through the, the Red Sea and then it caved in and all the soldiers died and then they stayed in the wilderness a long time because they were disobedient and whining and complaining. Remember that? Mm. So this is what happens in the book uh, of Isra uh, uh, Israel, of Isaiah. The book of Israel. Um, look at chapter 43, verse 18. So, so, so God tells me, he says, hey, listen. You know, it's like, he's like, Psst. you know, you can almost see him like get down on his, I want to tell you something. Now you can't see me, but um, here, if I go up here and do it. So he, he, he wants to tell him something, so he kind of gets down on his knee, right? And, and, he, and he says this, he says, um, forget the former things. Guys, listen up. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you catch that? He says, forget the former things, okay? Do not dwell on your past. Do not dwell on the things that happened. I am doing a new thing. I'm doing something totally new in you. Just like Tony's life. He changed Tony's life from what it was to what it is. It's something totally new. Do you think when Tony was in the midst of that, he would have ever thought of himself serving uh, at a fused community, uh, ministering, building Christ-centered marriages, uh, and, and witnessing to people uh, when he was in the midst of, of beating up people? <laughs> right? That's, not gonna, that's a new thing. And right now, wherever you're at, you're thinking, oh, it'll never be new. Right now you're thinking, oh man, you know what, it's not going to happen. And here's what I'm saying is the reason you believe that is because you're not in the game. The reason you believe that is because you stepped back and again tried to live through the power of the Holy Spirit but not do anything. You, you're, you're experiencing it but you're not living it and doing it like the Asashima. By doing we understand. So see I'm doing a new thing and then he says this. Now it springs up. Do you not see it? Do you not see it all around you? When God begins to move, he says, come on, guys, you're dwelling on the past. When you dwell on the past, all of a sudden we don't see what's going on around us, right? If I'm so focused over here and over here and over here, then what's over there, I can't see. And he's saying, don't you see it? It's right in front of you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so worried about these things. I'm so worried about am I financially making it. I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried about my job. I'm so worried about my family. I'm so worried. And I'm like, oh. I'm here for you. Focus on me. Put your priorities straight. And then he says this. He says after that, he says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams. That's so powerful because what he's saying is this. I'm making a way for you. I'm making a direction for you to go. Streams in the wilderness, places. A wilderness was a place you did not want to go. And he says, but I will go with you there. And I, when things are dark and dreary, I'll bring water to the desert area. I'll bring you there. 
Trust me. Follow me. Walk with me. Turn over to Hosea uh, to your right, chapter 2. In Hosea chapter 2, it's an interesting section of scripture. While this whole book is interesting, I've been studying a lot of Hosea. And um, this part, we're going to... What happened is, is Israel is comparing, or God is comparing Israel to, uh, is cheating on him, uh, like, in a, in a rela- like in a marriage relationship. And so he basically at this point says, you know what, I'm no longer going to provide for you like I did before. I'm no longer going to give you the blessings like I did before because you have been cheating on me over and over again. And I mean, it goes, there's a lot of theological depth to it, way more than I'm giving. Um, and so he says, you basically cheated on me and I'm hurt. Okay, and then we skip to verse uh, 14. Now, verse 14, there's a word there. It says, therefore. Now, what you have to understand is, is the way the prophets would write is anytime you had like a sin revealed and then there was a therefore, that meant judgment was coming. So, so it's like all of a sudden you did this, this, and this, and this. Therefore, I am going to annihilate you, really. <laughs> you know, you blew it and I'm going to, you know, blow you up. Um, but here, it's kind of interesting in Hosea. Listen to what happens. So then it goes, he says, therefore, in verse 14, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. So he looks and he says, I know you did this to me. I know you cheated on me. But basically, even though you've done that, I'm going to take you on a honeymoon. Whoa. I'm going to take you and I'm going to take you and I'm going to... That word allure is really... Uh, it's kind of this like, hey, come on, baby. That's really what it is. And it, he's really, the, the idea is he's trying to show the depth of the relationship. And he says, hey, I love you so much, and I'm going to allure you. I'm going to take you and bring you, uh, bring you with me into the wilderness. And then it says this, I'm going to go and I'm going to speak tenderly to you. I'm going to tell you how much I love you. And then he goes and says this. Uh, and then he says, there uh, I will give her back her vineyards. And it's this idea, when, uh, I'm going to provide for you again. I'm going to give you back what I promised. So even in the midst, and I want you to catch this, even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of those things, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you because I love you. Because that's the God we serve. A God that loves us and pulls us out and drags us away. Okay? And and then it says this, which this is is the icing for me. Uh, So it says, there I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. A valley of Achor a door of hope. Now, so you understand, the Valley of Achor was named after a man named Achan. And Achan, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, was a guy who, um, he basically stole a bunch of stuff that God told him not to, and he hid it in his tent. And uh, all Israel was having problems because he didn't confess that he was hiding this stuff. Finally, they went around and found out he was hiding it, and he confessed it. Uh, and then, basically, what they did was said, okay, well, you got to be put to death. So they put him to death, and then that's where we get the Valley of Achor. Don't hide stuff from God, okay? That's really the... So they, they put him to death, and they call it the Valley of Achor. So that was known as the Valley of Trouble. And so back then, it was like, hey, man, man, I'm really going through a Valley of Achor right now. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time. You know, this Valley of Achor is just destroying my life. Now, that's what's going on. And so listen to what he says. He says, I will make the Valley of Achor, the, the trouble in your life, is what, this is what he's saying, I will make the troubles in your life a door of hope. Do you catch that? 
So I will take all that junk that you're going through. I will take you to the desert. I will, I will surround you with my love. And you will have to go through the valley of Achor, which isn't easy. It's the valley of trouble. But at the end of that valley, there's a door of hope. There is this, this, this end to it. That word hope uh, literally means expectation, an expectation of salvation. So yeah, the door of hope, yeah, there's an, but it also, it, 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 the example is, the word picture is that there's a rope at the end and God's holding that rope and pulling you through. Does this make sense to you? And so he says there's a valley of acorn and there's a door of hope. I will make your troubles into hope. I will make the things you're past, the things you've gone through, into hope. But don't be mistaken, you have to go through the Valley of Acor first. You've got some hard times. Uh, Rick and Kelly Cheatham, uh, we're doing this series called Marriage Stories. It, it fused in, uh, man, powerful, powerful testimony. Uh, they shared a couple weeks ago about their, their life and, and their testimony. Rick, uh, Rick's a fireman, and um, years ago he began uh, just getting it, well, addicted to pornography, uh, cheating on his wife, prostitutes, strip clubs, uh, the whole gambit, and uh, as he was so-called a Christian, a leader, and, um, and so, you know, this obviously all came out uh, years ago, and Kelly had a choice at that point, am I going to love my husband, or am I going to walk with him through the valley of Acor? She did have a choice, she could have walked away, and she said, you know what, she, even though she didn't want to, she knew that's what God had called her to, that Rick was not the enemy, that it was Satan who was the enemy, and Satan would not win in their marriage. And so even in the midst, I want you to think about this, even in the midst of these difficult times, they had to walk through the valley of Achor. But here's the cool thing, is now, if you talk to Rick and Kelly, if you witness the incredible testimony that they have, I cannot tell you how many marriages they have helped because of their story. They had the door of hope. Now they're on the other side of the door of hope. And they go back and they remember the Valley of Acor in a good way by saying, you know what? We can help you walk through this too. We can help you come to the other side. We can help you know that your past doesn't define who you are. You are new. You are clean. You are fresh. Does God forgive you? Absolutely. And there you find hope. There you find that place. We, there's story after story of people who have experienced this. There's story after story of God using testimonies of couples and individuals saying, I've used your darkness for light. God knows. He throws us a line of hope when we need it, okay? Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's bring this all together. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, remember we started out with this. And, and what we've been through so far is, remember in Philippians, he said that we press on, we move forward, right? That's our responsibility as followers and believers of Christ, that we, we look and we focus straight on him. Uh, we looked in Isaiah that God is doing a new thing in us, that he's, he's taking away the old. He doesn't want us to, to, to worry about the past. He's also bringing our trouble and making it into hope. Right? It doesn't just stay there. We don't stay in trouble forever. There's a, there is the, the door of hope at the end of our trouble. There's this place. Why does he do this? Why does he allow us? What is our purpose? And this is what I believe 2 Corinthians 5 really shows us. Listen to what he says. We'll start from the beginning again in verse 17. He says, remember, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right, he is a new creation, 
uh, the old is gone, the new is here. Verse 18, and then he says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Okay, so he, th- he says, you know what? All this, all these things we're talking about, God redeeming us, being more like Christ, all this is from God who reconciled us to Christ. Now, please catch with me. I know, I, I, I want you to grasp onto this. The word reconciliation is extremely powerful, okay? The word reconciliation means two parties that are in odds and they come together as one, okay? It means that, that, that one party uh, is changing standing with another party. It means to make an enemy a friend, Okay, so what does this say? What does this say? All things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So the whole point of the gospel, the whole point of what God did was to reconcile us, I'm in there, to him through the blood of Jesus. Jesus died so that we can have a right relationship with God. There's no other way to come to him but through Jesus. And because Jesus died, we have that reconciliation. Isn't that awesome? And then he says this, so, so that way, he, he reconciled us to himself through Christ, now here's the catcher, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what's your job? To reconcile the world to Christ. Holy cow, are you kidding me? I get to, I get to be a part of reconciling the world? God has pulled me out called me to reconcile people with him. That's our job. That's our job. That's what we're to do. And, and, and that looks different on different ways. You know what? The people working in the children's ministry right now, they're reconciling families to God. Why? Because you can sit in here and not worry about your kids screaming and me getting mad, you know, when your kids scream. And, and, and you can enjoy the service and really take in God's word. So they're a part of the reconciliation. These guys who greet you at the doors are incredible greeters and people in the parking lot who set it up, make it all nice for you. The people in the cafe, they are ministers of reconciliation. They're in the game. They're in the midst. They got their pads on. They know why they're here. They're here to work. They're here to serve. They're here because they want to reconcile you to God. They want you to have a right relationship with God. They want you to come and experience the God that they've experienced. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. And so he gave us that ministry. And that ministry, that word ministry is simple. It just means to serve. Like waiting tables. It really is. And it means I go and wherever I'm needed, God, use me. God, use me. God can use you. He can use you. It doesn't matter about you. Just strive forward. Press forward. I want to make you a minister of reconciliation. Listen as it goes on. It says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Do you catch that? Like, what do you do? I'm an ambassador, ambassador of heaven, you know, the people, somebody asks you, you know, what do you do? I'm an ambassador. It's like, well, you're a freak, but, but really that's what you are. You are a representative. You are an ambassador of his and your job, your responsibility, the sole focus of why you've been saved is to serve freely is not to serve by the law, not to serve because you have to, not to serve to earn something, but it's saying, oh my gosh, I found salvation, and you know what? I've been reconciled, and God, I know there's so many people around me that need to be reconciled. What can I do? Let me bring them to church. Let me witness to them. Let me, I mean, this, the list goes on, because church is a team sport. Church isn't just about what happens up here or even here, but it happens all over. And man, that's why the Asashima and what we're doing is so important, guys, is because we've been called to be ministers of reconciliation. Then listen, as it goes on, it says this. 
It says, uh, we implore you on Christ's behalf then uh, to be reconciled to God. I implore you this morning to be reconciled to God. If you've come this morning and you're not, that's my responsibility. I want you to be reconciled with the king of kings, with the greatest king that ever lived, that the greatest king that ever will be and ever has been, that he is the one. And I have a right relationship with him. And I am just another person. I, there's nothing special about me other than God has called me and I answered the call. And you can do the same. That's what he's called you to. So there's, I want to address two groups of people in here this morning before we close. I think these are important. I'm going to address two, two groups. Number one, it's those who have followed Jesus and those who are here. And maybe, you know, you kind of know you're an ambassador, but your uh, representative levels haven't been very good. You haven't been representing too well. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to challenge you to step up. Simple. I want to challenge you to say no longer. No longer will I be satisfied with the way I'm living. No longer will I be satisfied with just being, uh, watching on the sidelines, being a spectator. You know what, guys? It's time to put your pads on. It's time to put your uniform on. It's time to get out on the field and play ball because you're not. And you know what? Here's the thing is you know and I know, once you do, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Instead of looking at everybody doing everything, you're like, I get to be a part of everybody. I get to be doing it with them and alongside. And so my challenge for you is to tell you that you've been saved with a purpose, that you've been saved to serve him freely and to forget what lies behind you, forget what's on the sides and focus and press on towards the goal of saying, I don't know what that looks like yet. All I know is that God has called me to something and I need to step up and listen, Here's the thing, we could give you avenues of ways to get connected and then you call somebody and you do this and, and then you guys give, you guys, ha, the fire has to come from you. I can walk behind you and push you all I want, but until you grab it and take it, it's, not, it's nothing big. You have to do it. You have to say I want it and say I want to make the change. I need to rededicate myself to him because I've been saved to serve and I need to go and serve. And then there's another group of people in here and, uh, and this morning, I'm your ambassador. And I know that sounds funny, and I'm not trying to be prideful I, at all, but, but I really believe that. I believe God has called me to give you the message that you need to hear. That there is a king, and he loves you. And he literally died for your sins. And he didn't have to do that, but he did it because he loves you and desires to have a relationship with you. He desires for your relationship with him to be right. And you know who you are because you know you're not connected to him and there's something missing. And I want to I tell you that it's time to follow him. It's time to, 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 to strip down everything and say, God, I, I, I've tried it myself and it's not working. And for you, I, 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 this verse 19, it's just so crystal clear. Listen to what it says. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his plea through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'm, I'm, I'm making that plea to you. And I am making that plea. I'm begging you as the Holy Spirit is begging you. Be reconciled to God. Make that relationship right. Now here's how he does this because I think it's amazing. Here's how God does this. Okay, there's God's part, and God's part right now has already been working. The Holy Spirit has been moving in your life. It, it, there's things going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. I remember when I came to Christ, there was years of things that happened beforehand that was God's moving. 
And all of a sudden, he begins to move, and you're like, what is that? I don't understand. Why are these things happening? Something's going on. I know that's called the Holy Spirit. And he's tugging on your heart, and you, it's, it's, more, it's not just a feel. It's like there's something going on. I know that God's moving. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's part. And he confirms things. Now there's my part, and my part is to speak the message to you. My part is to tell you, to confirm what is happening in your heart. To say, you know what, there's the Holy Spirit moving. You need to know that's God wanting to be reconciled with you. If you've fallen away from him, he's wanting to be reconciled. If you've never accepted him before, he's wanting to be reconciled. He's wanting to make that relationship right. That's my part to share with you, and I hope I've shared that to you clear. But there's also your part. And you know what your part is? Is you have to respond. You have to jump in. You have to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. You have to listen to what's being said and say, okay, God, you know what? You're right. And you have to surrender to what you're hearing. You have to surrender to him and allow that spirit to move through you. And so what I'm going to do in just a moment is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God moves in you, and then I'm going to give you a moment to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life to make that reconciliation happen. And I want to plead to you, if you're someone who hasn't been reconciled to God, to make that reconciliation. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this incredible group of people, and Lord, I know right now your spirit is moving, and I, I don't know. I don't know who's all here, but you do. And you know... Um, even long before they stepped into this building, that you have been calling them. And so, Lord, I pray right now, I pray that you would confirm that in their heart. I pray, God, that you would just give them that strength right now that they have, that, that they know that it's you without a doubt. Lord, I pray for those who have fallen away or, Lord, who just have stepped from the walk that they've been living, that, Lord, you would infiltrate their life, that you would infiltrate their heart in such a way where they would just experience you and know that it's you calling them. God, I pray for those who have been sitting on the sidelines and wasting their time. That you would challenge them, God. That there would be men of God that would stand up today and say, no longer do I want to be a, just look on the sidelines, I want to be a player in the game. There's some women of you, Lord, that need to transition and change. Because they're sitting on the sidelines. So I pray you would infiltrate their heart as well. That you, God, would just begin to show them your power. So if you're someone who needs to make a decision like that, then I want to ask you to just pray with me. And this is the most exciting time of the service for me because I know this is what God has called us to do, is to be ministers of reconciliation. And so if you want it and need to reconcile with God, whether you're someone who's never known him and needs to know him, whether you're someone who needs to rededicate or someone who needs to look and say, I need to get in the game, then this is for you. Just pray with me. Just pray these words. You can whisper them out loud. You can, you can yell them out loud. I don't care. You can say them to yourself. But just pray them. Say this. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I've tried on my own. And it's just not working. I know I've sinned. And maybe I even look back on the past too much. Help me to look at you. I want to be reconciled to you, God. I don't want to be your enemy. I want to be your son. So I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I ask you to take me back. I ask you 
to make me a minister of reconciliation so that I can use my story to change the world for you. And so I do this for you right now, Jesus. Take me and take my life. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen.